Hello and welcome to the Andyplex, the show where we talk about movies we love with creatives. I'm your host, Andy Majorano, and this is episode 35, Night of the Living Podcast. Joining me today to break down and analyze the 1968 horror classic from George A. Romero is screenwriter living here in L.A., J. Angel Sierra, whom we that know him call Angel. I met Angel at the New Beverly Cinema, and we become friends. Angel loves Ramiro, and we wanted to look back at this man's career, what made him so special, and why we'll never stop talking about him on the 55th anniversary of one of the greatest pieces of horror and just, well, movies ever made. Night of the Living Dead. Welcome, Angel. How are you? I am good. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you for having me so much, man. This is an honor. The honor is all mine, sir. So we have been wanting to do this for a minute, and we keep running into each other at screenings you sir are a master screener watcher <laughs> thanks yeah. you're at everything in town uh you're running to something immediately after this even what was it yeah i'm going to uh the last post-mortem podcast recording uh oh of mick garris's and he uh coupled with the screening of his masterpiece cat masterpiece uh, sleepwalkers Catsterpiece. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> you could yeah he he uh invented a genre in there <laughs> oh my god that's so cool man the last post the mortem of postmortem. no he's a big influence on me i'm a massive mick garris fan i actually have a copy of his um autobiography i need to get that uh, thank you for reminding me that's what christmas present i need to get to myself <laughs> yes you yeah. do you deserve it um thank you man last 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 go what what a legend i mean he's been a big influence on me as a host and podcaster and just lover and i love his movies as well and i consider myself a host slash filmmaker so i don't know the guy's the man and uh we owe him a lot so that's so cool you're gonna go to sleepwalkers i love that one that's a great one <laughs> yeah it's it's doesn't often screen and it's a great one hell yeah so, you are a massive horror buff. Fair to say. Fair to say. And you and I, like many of my guests, are like, what do we talk about? What, you know, so many options. I've seen your Blu-ray and um, I've seen your, your movie collection. It's staggering. <laughs> Thanks. Appreciate uh, it. It was just over a couple of weeks ago and you were like, pick one. And I was like, oh my God. It's like kid in a candy store in your, <laughs> in your apartment. No, discs going on and on and on. You got the steel books. I look forward to all your mail call posts <laughs> on Facebook. Thanks, thanks. Uh, you know, always picking up some awesome new edition of something, 4K, Steelbook, you know, you, you name it. This X and Y edition, special edition. But anyway, we're massive horror buffs, and you said that your favorite, I believe, director, right? Um, yeah. It's, yeah. it's so tough to it, say. It, right? I mean, the one... No, I... My favorite horror filmmaker. Your favorite yes, horror filmmaker. Yes. Okay, okay. And Fair the, enough. the person who got me, the person who inspired me to make movies. Oh my god. Yes. Okay. Well, that's so, that's amazing. Yeah. A uh, anyway, we're talking about the legendary, the great, the unfortunately late but very great George A. Romero. R.I.P. R.I.P. What a what a god. What a titan. And um, I I am obsessed with him as well. And you said you wanted to do Night of the Living Dead. And my God, it's like one of those kind of hiding in plain sight movies where you're like, oh, of course, we have to talk about that. Yeah. I haven't talked about it yet. So um, I get a little nervous when we talk about some of these linchpin films. 
So I'm glad I have you here to, to, to help me. I needed to bring the big guns here for um, for this this one. I'm glad I have you too because I also get as nervous. Yeah, because I know. Uh, yeah, so tackling those, it's always like, oh well, what are these schmoes gonna talk? Gonna add to the conversation? What are they gonna add? Yeah, about this kind of movie. But I think I we'll do good. I think we both have a healthy. Big yeah, yeah, and it. and I always say my show is not a laundry list of factoids. Mm. Um, you could go to Wikipedia for that. Um, I'm more interested in kind of what we glean from it, what we take away from it, rather than be like, oh, did you know this? Did you know that? Did you know this? Sure. So this movie turned 55 this year. Um, Its influences are staggering, and its contribution to cinema are are staggering. Um, But for in terms of kind of digging into the nitty-gritty of it, for you... What makes this one such a big one? What makes this one such a heavy hitter for you? Um, it's because I guess why it, if you want to boil it down to a sentence, I think it is the scariest horror premise mm. ever. Um, because I often think of these things, I ruminate on them, and um, I think that's why we gravitate towards this or that kind of movie, and especially in the horror genre. For me, some people, the scary factor doesn't matter to them necessarily, but for me, it really does. It's really important, especially in my own yeah. work and stuff. I think, like, I want to I want to scare you. You want to so have an impact. Exactly. So I, too, I think the two scariest premises are the Texas Chainsaw Massacre premise and Night of the Living Dead, but Night of the Living Dead goes just a level higher because I just boiling it down I just think like yeah it would be the scariest thing if your friends and loved ones who passed away suddenly rose up and tried to eat you I mean yeah. that's it in, in, in a nutshell I'm just like I can't think wait that hasn't happened to you every holiday oh, you know it, it, yeah I guess at Thanksgiving dinner I guess yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, however metaphorical the eating too much is. Gravy. Yeah, exactly. There's more gravy than grave about you, sir. <laughs> but yeah, no, no I, I just think that. I think I can't think of anything more terrifying than that premise. I know that it is yeah. such a good one. Like a what if? It's just a great like what if? Yeah, like one line, mm-hmm. simple hook. Yeah, what if the dead came back? Yeah, it's you know, and it proves itself out in the way these movies play out. Not just the Romero movies, but everything he gave birth to. And he did create a genre with this movie. Right. Few artists, few filmmakers can lay claim to that like he can. Yeah. He literally created a genre and also was not given the due, even though he was given a massive due, not quite the due of just that. Still not enough. That Yeah, that yeah. accomplishment. What a what a Herculean yeah. task that yeah. he was undertook. and. I, I, I love that. Yeah, it's it's scary, it's scary, it's scary. So you're a horror writer primarily, or yeah, I, lean I, that way? Yeah, I do lean that way. I love genre stuff. Like uh, People call it different things, like... Uh, Clive Barker calls it like the fantastique. I remember reading. Oh yeah, fantastique. Yeah, I yeah, remember yeah. Uh, Dan O'Bannon, who's one of my favorite writers, oh, calling it. He he didn't like the horror term. The term horror. He wanted to call them weird tales. And I'm like, right. yeah, because that covers a gamut of like horror, of sci-fi, sci-fi horror, yeah, and stuff like. But definitely genre stuff. I, I'm a fan of all genres of movies. I want to write all kinds of movies. But yeah, horror is my my one true love. I guess yeah. horror sci-fi. I know I'm I'm there too. I'm right there with you. And if you look at kind of my my top ten list, and I try to do like my favorite comedy, my favorite this. Sure. But if you kind of just like put a gun to my head, not that you would. You're a sweet. Man. You <laughs> or would it. I? Uh, sure. <laughs> no, yeah, I don't know no, you as well Guys, he's got a gun. <laughs> um, you know th- that list would be horror. I mean, I just yeah. I just can't. Right? horror sci-fi. Yeah. Or sci-fi horror. 
But yeah, I love that. And for Ramiro, I know he was heavily influenced by EC Comics, mm-hmm. which I've personally never read. But I, uh, I actually did a horror podcast years ago called The Horror Geeks, and one of the episodes was horror comics and their influences. Sure. And we look at kind of that era of guys like Ramiro as they, as like Ramiro looked at that era behind them, mm-hmm. and it was kind of their stepping stone. And I've heard Ramiro even say like people need to just start making these kind of easy comic hooks, like like a hook like The Dead Come Back. Yeah, exactly. And then do it justice. Exactly. And not do it cheesy. No, yeah, and he, uh, yeah, he but did it. But do it right. Yeah, and you, and you have, even if you haven't read those comics, you've been, uh, you've been um, exposed to the material he was talking about through Creepshow, yes. through Tales from the Crypt. Like, that's one thing our generation has him and filmmakers like that to thank for is their love of it, where they sort of did like uh, right. Spielberg and Lucas did with Raiders of the Lost Ark and yes. the serials. And the serials, yeah. yeah. They, they brought it to a new generation and uh, did it, as you say, with a lot of panache. Yeah, um, yeah, and and respect. Yeah, and those are they're cheesy schlocky. The origins of it are cheesy and schlocky, but um, and they they don't shy away from that either. In a documentary, he was referred to as having a body. Romero was uh, as having a real body sense of horror, not b o d y b a w d y, and it's true. You can <laughs> see that. Um, you can see that. That tone, yeah. like it's rip roaring, it's fun loving, right. and whatnot, but it's it's gory and gleefully gory and stuff. Yeah, like a that. celebration so. of the genre. Exactly, exactly, yeah, yeah. perfect. Not, way not to shying follow. away from those elements, but yeah. doing it in a way. Yes, this is the second Ramiro. Now we did the Creepshow episode last year with Andy Mitten, who's a horror writer and director. Awesome. He's an amazing, brilliant guy. Um, did a movie called The Harbinger. My friend Rich King has also been on the show, produced and. I already want to have him back, and he's like, I'm a horror writer through and through, and I, you know, I want to explore horror and, and tackle all the horror themes. And actually, he's like, I think my favorite horror is Exorcist. Sure, but he didn't want to do it because, and Chris ended up doing. It. I'm glad. Uh, uh-huh. I'm glad. It, you know, we saved it for Kristoff because, you know, the 35 millimeter print and everything. Absolutely. You know? But uh, he was like, it's just been it's talked about so much. And then his very second pick was was Creepshow. Nice. And I was, he's like, do you like Creepshow? And I'm like, I love Creepshow. And I'm so glad you said that because. It's a celebration of EC Comics in a modern way. I'm glad Ramiro directed all the bits. Yeah, me too. It really has that. Oh, yeah, we went to um, Tales from the Dark Side together. Exactly. At the New Beverly. Yeah, yeah. In the end of October. Yeah, and... Uh, that, that was great. Yeah, it was great, and it was great. And piggybacking off of that, like, that one wasn't directed by Romero. It was directed by his longtime associate, John Harrison. But uh, Right. It's still it's still great work, yeah. and... Uh, he scored Creepshow, right? Yes, exactly. And Day of the Dead, which is oh. my favorite score of his. It's really underrated. Really great, uh, nice. really emotional. I did not know that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, they mentioned that at the the talk before the movie. Yeah. No. Yeah, absolutely. Tales absolutely. from the Dark Side. Yeah, and and that one still has the creep show, uh, the creep show fun. Um, that one of the segments is written by Romero, and you can tell because again, it has a certain sensibility that he brings to all his horror work that's different mm. from the other horror directors. Amazing, actually. So that leads me to my next question. Okay. Perfect segue there, Angel. <laughs> well. Amazing. <laughs> You're good at this writing thing. Thank you. Appreciate it. Why is George Romero your favorite? And why is he just so special? What makes him... I know that's such a loaded question. No, no, no. I can... Yeah, it, it is. But I do have answers because I... I can't. I can never stop thinking about the guy. Like I know. he's with me all the time. Yeah, uh, you he's said guiding that. me. My yeah, my way of thinking, especially on horror stuff. You love um, him so much that you. Um, can I tell your your middle name story? Real sure, quick? sure, sure. Yeah, no, yeah quick yeah. segue before yeah. we jump, jump in. So George Andrew Romero, A Romero. You always see the A in the credits. 
of everything he does. And I was like, man, I remember growing up getting obsessed with him and being like, my, my name's Andrew. And then I think I told you that his middle name's Andrew. And then you're like, oh, well, I have a, I made my middle initial A. So your original name is... No, my... Okay, so my name is Jose Angel Sierra. Oh, okay. So my middle name is oh. an A name. Perfect. Yeah, yeah but I did... I, I, I see. Okay. I, I, think I, I wanted to maybe call myself professionally Jose A. Sierra just after George A. Romero. Because of your love for him. Yeah, but, you know... That's I, great. Wiser heads prevailed, so I was like, no, i got to <laughs> formulate my own identity here, not, like, hop off of that. Yeah, yeah. But, okay, uh, I love that. So. But, yeah, definitely, to that extent, I personalized him. Uh, well, yeah. Well, he's a pioneer. I mean, he... Um, because... I say he he got me into filmmaking because I I saw a documentary about him. And I don't know if we're going to get into this later properly, but so no, I, let's don't, do it. I don't know how much you want to. No, because you lent me a copy of it. I've watched it a couple times now. I actually just had it on before you came over. Okay, so I might as well, yeah, launch into it then. Yeah. So I, I, Go for th- it. I think I saw, I think I saw on the USA Network a promo for either a marathon. I think it was a marathon of all the Living Dead movies, and I haven't had him seen them yet. But I saw, and I saw the clip where. Uh, where Harry Cooper, played by Carl Hardman, is at the window looking out and assessing the danger, and he turns to his wife, and he's like, there could be 15 million of those things out there. That's how much good these windows are. you know." And I was just terrified already. I was like, what's going on? And then yeah. as the, and then as the uh, through the trailer, as the story revealed itself, I was like, well, I have to watch this. Um, and the, these are things that, these are movies, zombie movies my parents would not let me watch. They didn't oh, like the... Forbidden Fruit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't like the, the gut chewing, you know, the, the feasting on entrails. That, that's a line. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's I, a line for people. Exactly. So they An wouldn't let me. An line. So, okay, I, I guess I must have reconciled that, that I couldn't watch it. But then late night, I was watching late night TV. It felt like it was like midnight or something. It felt like the, the family had gone to sleep and I was awake. Uh, and Got this it. program, and I don't know how they, where it, it, it didn't seem like it was on cable, but it probably was. It was called the, and your listeners might be familiar with it, it's called the Incredibly Strange Film Show. It's a British program where this host, Jonathan Ross, he would interview famous horror filmmakers. He did one on Sam Raimi and some other people. But I caught I that night the one on George Romero. And so I was like, oh, this is the man who made these movies that I want to see, The Forbidden Fruit. And it was a documentary about how he made Night of Living Dead primarily. And I, I, this was, this must have been around ten years old because I, as soon after I, soon after I got this information, I started to wrap my head around the fact that I wanted to be a filmmaker. Man, ten. Yeah, because because uh, because I liked. I liked everything about, I was fascinated, they really went into the fact that he was a one-man show, at least for the first couple movies. Yeah. He wrote, directed, edited, and photographed. That was the line, literally, from the announcers, like, Night of the Living Dead and its director, was, cinematographer, editor, and co-author was George A. Romero. And I was like, holy shit, you know? Yeah. Like, I was like, wow. And, what a um, badass. Yeah, and the fact that... It, and he had, uh, as you do in filmmaking, he had lots of help. But the fact that that product 
provided such a wallop and all the major jobs were done by one person mm. and as you learn later in life not out of ego or anything just because he was handy at doing all that stuff yeah and you know you're you're probably like this too like yeah if you if you know you can do something well you just kind of don't wait for permission and like do everything you can so he was probably Absolutely. like no i can do this i can do that i just let, let's go you know you yeah. get the momentum you and you get start this thing going. made yeah exactly yeah so uh, i can shoot it yeah you know through sheer will and stuff Anyway, all of that just impressed the hell out of me. Incredible, man. Yeah, and I saw it out the rest of his work. I saw it out the dead movies, finally saw them, and loved them. I was formulating opinions even there, so for the longest time I was like, because I was such a fan of Spielberg, I was like, this guy's the Steven Spielberg of horror, pretty much. Like His movies are perfect. His horror movies are perfect. Um, They're perfectly made. They're so weighty. Even as a kid, I I could... Understand you knew the there was something underneath of the drama. Yeah, it was yeah. different than, say, a Herschel Gordon Lewis movie. You know what I mean? Right. It's like those are fun, but yeah. they're not loaded like Romero's movies are. Right. Dense. Yeah. Just chew. You could just chew them and just yeah. assimilate them, and there's so much to yeah to wrap around. And over time, yeah. after really gleaning his work, I uh, he became my favorite. Definitely. For a long time, he was my favorite writer, period. Screenwriter, mm. period. Oh, wow. And he's one of my favorite editors, too. Oh, uh, yeah, so like, cool. like he's as good as... I don't know. He's, he's, yeah, I remember Tarantino one time comparing Robert Rodriguez, who was also one of my favorite editors, saying oh, great editor, he's yeah. as good as Eisenstein. And at first I thought that was a lot, a, kind of a hubristic. Kind of but I, I actually would agree. And so I would put Romero into the category of Eisenstein. Wow. And cool. and my favorite editor, Michael Kahn, Spielberg's editor. Oh, yeah, like, Michael Kahn. Yeah, he's as good as any of those guys, you know. Yeah. So. No, and like you said, the, the ability to be able to do to wear so many hats – and 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 not cheap in the process. Um, oh man. Anyway, yeah. yeah. Actually, that led me to another one of my questions. Like, do you think that shooting and editing? You think that could that could risk taking away, uh, taking attention away from one thing at a time? I mean, it depends. Like, I mean, um, obviously, the product is, speaks for itself. But. Yeah, exactly. One, and I think if you just compartmentalize your job, I mean, if you just focus on it, you, obviously. Filmmaking discipline commands doing everything at once, but and and right. it prob- you're probably right, and it probably did, which is probably why he eventually, eventually. Uh, gave the job to others. And he, I think he said this in interviews too. Is like, oh, I could. I think Michael Gornick, his uh, cinematography, once spoke about an incident about how, oh yeah, he saw that he was good at it. And so he could go and focus on something else, like the performances or whatever. Yeah. And he entrusted Michael Gornick to shoot basically all of his movies until uh, until maybe after Monkey Shines, I, I think. Mm. Uh, yeah. So it's definitely, yeah. It's uh, I when I was a kid, I wanted to do everything. Now, a caveat to what I said before, that impressed me as a kid, and it also impressed me about Robert Rodriguez. And I would always compare the two. I would say that George Romero was the first Robert Rodriguez. You know, people like Cassavetes did it before and stuff like that, but he was the one I really impressed me. Uh, and then once uh, once I grew up and got some film experience and realized how hard everything does to me, right. Robert Rodriguez is a, is a beast that he still does as much because I'm I'm too lazy. I'm like, nah, I'd rather leave it to more professionals to do the various jobs. Uh, one thing I the two things, three things I will do myself if given the opportunity are write, direct, and edit because editing is so much fun to me. Editing it is. is most fun. 
and this is not everybody, but for me, editing is putting the movie together. It's the most fun. You're making the movie. You're making the movie. Yeah. That's where it yeah. really takes shape. Exactly. No, I know. I have uh, I have a love of editing. I don't really... I've done some editing jobs for hire, but I've never yes. kind of crossed the line of like sure. editing as a profession. Sure. And I feel like I've kind of always been edited my own babies. Sure. So for me, that's really where the love of it is, where, you know, I think there's like the blue collar editors that... And I can't knock on one of my best friends, Brian Stratt. Um, who taught me how to edit in college. We went to college together. He is one of the best editors I've ever met. And nice. He does it for hire, and he's he's great. But uh, I just, I don't know, for me, the love of it is really in making something that's yours. Yes. You know? Totally. So that's kind of, I mean, I'm sure that's a line I could cross down the road. At some point, you got to make, make money. But um, I, I totally get that, and it is such a Herculean task to make a movie. And I love that Ramiro is... What was it? The of his times, the um, oh Spielberg. I, Spielberg a horror. I thought because Spielberg I, horror. I thought yeah. Spiel, in my mind Spielberg was the best filmmaker. So he's amazing. I got want... to see uh, Jaws sixteen millimeter at your yeah, house. Yeah, man. Yeah, with great. you and Chris. That was a great time. What a great, great night bread. and yeah. Halloween. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah, man. And well, you guys didn't announce what it was going to be until I got there. <laughs> oh, that was one well, of the best days what, ever for well, me. I'd love to do a Romero one. Um, oh yes, cool, yeah. Cool. So let me know, please. And especially and Night of the Living Dead. I mean. When I finally saw it on the big screen, I was happy to realize that it didn't lose any impact. Of course, it would gain it on the big screen. Oh, right. But the editing in particular so impressed mm. me on the big screen yeah. because it was a no-budget, no, local movie that you know had no right to exist. Really. A little movie that could. Yeah, yeah. And the, the, and the editing just seamlessly... Was brought off, came off on screen. Yeah, it was. It, it's, it's. Yeah, you're not like, oh, maybe a re-edit is in order down no, the road. No, no, no. It's perfect. It's super, especially the the escape sequence from the farmhouse. Ugh. Yeah, it's like so exciting, and that was partly why I love Romero too. Is like his movies are super so exciting. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Right, right. Yeah, you get there's all the like you said the chew the fat of the social allegory and mm-hmm. the, the you know even as a kid you said you picked up on that. Yeah. How dense it was. Yeah. D- dense nutritional diet. Yeah, man. But. Uh, Michael Crichton, I always say this on the show, Michael mm. Crichton famously wrote that he's like, I want to write a, a powerful lesson, but put it in a sugar-coated tablet. That's the so best. So that it goes down. Yeah, that's the best. You don't both realize worlds. you're getting a lecture. Yeah, and all, and as a matter of fact, that brings up a good point. Um, Romero was always, always harping on allegory. Horror movies is allegory. He, I love this. he did not. He even said like, "I don't just. It's not just about putting a monster in the subway. It's about. Mm. It's about really that. That's what horror movies do best. You know, like you can really get a lot out. And he was obviously you can tell in his content of his movies. He was super political. Um, yeah, yeah. It, like some of some of them are uh, more couched than others. Some of them are more blatant, and some of them. I I, I have friends who think you know a little cynically about. Um, about the political content being so obvious in Romero movies, especially uh, Land of the Dead is one they would point to uh, about okay. that. But I, you know, it's like ah, yeah, it's it, I embrace it. I I wholly support having something to say versus just entertaining. Yes, you know, like it, it, you can do both. Um, to what degree you make it blatant is up to you. It's up to the individual filmmaker. I prefer it not so blatant, but if it ha- if it happens, it's better to be there than not. I think. I love it. No, I'm obsessed with the allegory. Um, 
my brother Gianni makes fun of me that I use that word a lot. And he's like, oh, I listened to some of your episodes, and it was like every other word was allegory or zeitgeist. <laughs> but um, I'm obsessed. And, you know, I was a dual film and English major. Nice. Because I'm also consider myself a writer. Yes, absolutely. And uh, not as disciplined as, as, as you are yeah, yet. Well. But, uh, you know, I, I, I just I get excited by analyzing the allegory of, of things. So mm-hmm. this movie in particular... Um, what do you think for you? What are the major takeaways politically, socioeconomically, about this movie? Since we've already kind of yeah broached that. Well, um, um, nineteen sixty-eight. Yeah, oh obviously my god, kind of speaks for the time. You yeah. know, if you look at the timestamp of when it was, you know, yeah. For it, you, what are the what kind of the big takeaways? Well, what I, are the zombies representing <laughs> you? Angel? Yeah, no, and and by no means am I a philosophy major or. or oh no, that's okay. But um, yeah, no. Well, what can be said that hasn't been said about it? It's all out right. there. Uh, you know, I that as a kid, of course, did not. As a kid, the the political import of say the ending. Mm-hmm. Where if you're spoiler alert, yeah, uh, you've had 55 years. Yes, but. Hey, thank you. I thank you for doing the math. I was I didn't know how many years it had been, <laughs> uh, but uh, yes, uh, at the end, obviously, when Ben, our hero played by Dwayne Jones, is mistakenly or not shot by the zombie killing posse, um, and then put on the fire pyre with uh, the zombie pyre with that ending you know. yeah it's just it's god it's it's a wallop so mm. it didn't impact me as a kid racially or anything as going even though i'm a latino you know it didn't I, I didn't look at it at that level but what i was incensed about which was what and it's and it's just the perfect example of why this works as an entertainment, but also has a message yes. if you choose to look at it. Right. You, you don't know? have to. Yeah, exactly. What, what I was so enraged by was that I loved this man, this character. Yeah. And he was the hero and presented filmically as the hero. And they unceremoniously just did away with just it. Just often. And with ironic, I appreciated the irony, even if I didn't know the word or didn't know how to articulate it. <laughs> well said, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. I-, I loved it and hated it and was sad and everything. And it worked completely emotionally oh, yeah. without me ever putting any analysis on it until later. Any racial yeah, exactly. undertones. So that that just occurred to me, too. So that is another oh, wow. reason. No, I love this. I love yeah. looking at it in the lens of, of a of a child with that innocence and obviously now we're jaded adults and mm-hmm. we have so much conditioning and yeah. socioeconomic conditioning on top of everything and programming and yeah. uh but that i love that you can remember that fresh take yeah emotionally and now and looking back and i think that's great and i think that's what a lot of great horror movies are good at doing is getting to the emotion yeah and that's why, you know, one of the reasons I think we're we're so obsessed with them. I do I do want to talk a little bit more specifically about horror in general, but sure. for now with Night, I couldn't agree more about that ending. And I remember seeing it, and I just I couldn't believe yeah. that ending. And looking back, I think it's always the endings that when a movie doesn't perfectly wrap itself up, mm-hmm. when they don't get the bad guy mm-hmm. and the bad guy's still at large, or bad guys win, um, they they haunt you literally and figuratively more. Like when they don't get the ghost or or whatever, when they don't resolve the issue, you leave, come home, or you know you, the movie wraps up in your home and you go to bed or whatever, and it, man, it's still there. Yeah, it's absolutely. still there, like begging you to think about it. And that's another an, another uh, point about Romero. Um, you articulated it beautifully because he is also quoted all the time as going. 
he doesn't believe in the resolution, the clean resolution mm. in a horror movie, especially his his. Uh, uh, he oh, cool. basically said to the something to the effect of why ups. This might have been even his exact quote. He's like, why upset? Why? Uh, w- w- what value is in there of if you're going to make a horror movie and upset the apple cart in terms of the world of the story? W- you should just it's gonna it's gonna continue on on balloon it's not gonna get resolved it doesn't get resolved in real life like right it's supposed to horrify so the very act of leaving it um you know either unfinished or gonna get worse off camera once you finish the movie i love this like i never heard him say that yeah that's that's what he believes in yeah that's what he believes in it's like no i've never i've never he's never believed in re resetting the balance of the world in a horror movie, right? It's like no, it's gonna keep going and going and pretty much never get resolved again. Yeah. Especially with the Living Dead movies, and he's mm. always said it was about his theme for the movies is what about a new society devouring the old. Oh, yeah. So and that you can see literally and yeah, and it carries figuratively with the zombies exactly, and it carries wow, new to where society devouring the old. Yeah, love this it carries to the end, the final movies where they're getting reintelligent, you know, and they're literally it's a reset. They're re- yes, it's like we're going out. They've eaten us, and we're dwindling, and they are rising up in numbers. They're the new dominant force, and they also have a little bit of humanity in them to yeah. an extent. They're just a new creature, a new yeah. civilization. Right, you know, so as 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 about as, as societies, but you know the dinosaurs ruled once at once. Absolutely, and now we're here, and absolutely probably not going to be forever, yeah. and yeah. we might even do our, ourselves in. Which I think a lot of those themes he tackles for me. I mean the so I saw Dawn of the Dead first. Sure, sure. And I actually I want to say it was around ninety nine two thousand. Nice. Um, my brother of all people, uh, he not a not a massive movie buff more of a video game guy okay. um does like movies but he came home from a sleepover where they watched Dawn of the dead he's like andrew oh my god we got to watch this movie and there's the zombies in them all and <laughs> oh my god it's so good it's called dawn of the dead oh my god and i remember we were we got like it was the holidays and we got you know money to borders books nice. I mean, if you remember borders books oh um, yes yeah and we we're like oh we both got to go get a movie frequently was a zombie wandering around borders books looking for books to eat <laughs> exactly <laughs> to consume rather to consume yeah. intellectually anyway that's so great yeah no I mean um, yes I was there too and I used to just I remember just being dropped off and just like wander like oh you got an hour just wander around borders oh, yeah, whether or not time. I'd have any money to buy anything or sure, not was, sure. was another matter but so anyway uh, I got a copy of Army of Darkness nice which is one of my favorites and then he got a copy of Dawn of the Dead and we must have watched that VHS copy of Dawn of the Dead I mean and the as soon as you said that doesn't resolve um the the ending of night is terrifying but the ending of dawn where it's just the wandering around and as you said in the mall yeah the ice skating rink yeah 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 and almost kind of making it this comedic obviously horrific slash comedic duality of the zombies kind of being silly but also scary and yeah, haunting that's something. and overtaking society yes yes and really that's, haunted me absolutely but you hit upon another thing too is like he didn't he didn't shy away from humor actually his yes. movies are so humorous I know you know and it's another reason I compare him to Spielberg actually like they're and, and the I feel funness. yes and I feel that's something missing from a lot of modern movies they're ultra serious and ultra you know just like austere you know like yeah, yeah. They, they lose you're laughing within minutes of a Spielberg or a Romero movie yeah. because he doesn't forget that 
you want movies are about the joy of about joy regardless of the subject matter to me anyway right like it, it's a joyous thing to watch a movie if you love them as much as we do I know so that also and you need humor in something as dour as Romero zombie movies because especially like with Day of the Dead which is like the bleakest horror movie ever I think it's true apocalypse so like the zombies have taken over the yeah. world is over there may be only a few people left and it is not shy about it's not going great about yeah like characterizing <laughs> that world and really painting it you know so but there's still humor I laugh my ass off at Day of the Dead the the evil the truly despicable soldiers evil. you know that are yeah, yeah. just it's like, not the zombies Zombies. Yeah, the exactly. zombies are just doing them. His ultimate point, uh, you know, and you hit, yeah. you hit it is like, yeah, well, the zombies I would more sooner cozy up to than some of the people in Day of the Dead. <laughs> you know, like cozy uh, up to. I love that. Yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, real quick to go back to Romero. Yes. you've. I just learned from you saying earlier today that you've met him twice now. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they say it can be scary to meet your heroes. Oh, God, I guess. That wasn't the experience for you. My God, if any, everyone could have had the experiences I had with him. The first one was, and it was, and as I've said, as I may have, uh, you may have gleaned from my on from my answers, um, it was something like meeting Spielberg, which is something like meeting Elvis. You know what I mean? These two guys, I've been so obsessed with them. It's like meeting Jesus Christ. And it's, it's crazy. And the meeting couldn't have been more. It couldn't have been more. Dif- it couldn't have been different than what you build it up to in your mind. I was wandering uh-huh. around Comic Con, yes. and turned a corner, and he's just there, like in a corner at a table, oh and no God. one is talking to him. So I just, oh I of course, God. I am not shy. I take the opportunity. I don't know if I'm ever going to get to work with these people or whatever. So right. as long as I have something meaningful to talk to them about, or I, I'd like to, I like to ask them a question that they haven't really talked about or maybe people don't know. Yeah, and I'm just like, I like your stuff. Exactly. And I, yeah. I love you know, Dawn, uh, Night Living Dead. It's my, you made me want to be a filmmaker. Uh, I probably said that, but... No, that's good. Um, I mean, that's, that's a good one. So Romero, he... First of all, he's famously friendly. One of the nicest people in the world. One of the nicest people in the world. Um, so I... there's And with him, like so many other artists, there are so many unresolved projects that he did. And I know about them all because I'm so... You know, such a fan. Um, so that's what I chose to talk to him about. That's amazing. And I chose that, like, well, this this time, this time I talked to him about, pumped him up. For so how'd it go? Like, so you saw him, and then, like, what was the very first thing? You oh, did? I don't remember, but okay. I'm sure I just said, oh, it's great to meet you and honor yeah. and stuff like that. I'm, you know, and he was really cordial. I don't like to get things signed or whatever, so I just like to go and chat. I want to. I'm get the to, same way. Yeah, I want to talk to these people. I want to have an interesting conversation uh, about their lives or about how they're feeling. If that's that's yeah. probably what I have a real talk to connection. a little bit. Like, are you having fun? Are you okay? You know, like, yeah, yeah. how's, how's it your going? Day? Yeah, yeah, yeah how's, exactly. how's life? Exactly. Like anything done? Anything seen? Anything good lately? Or yeah, yeah. Peer, like peer talk. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's what we did, and uh, he gave me a lot of info about his unproduced projects, and that was great. Um, and I actually, I, you know, I'm glad you brought this up because I kicked myself. I thought about this the other day because for some reason I was thinking about Stephen King's It. Which is one of my favorite uh, uh, stories. So good. And uh, Romero was famously going to do the miniseries. Uh, was he? He was going to direct it first. Okay. And After they collaborated on Creepshow. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, and that so was one he really wanted to do. Eight years before it came out, he was so involved with it too. I mean, he he guided the writing. It was at that point a three part miniseries, so three movies rather than two. Oh man, um, it's like really because that, yeah. that's a big boy novel. Yeah, he had the screenwriter write it's a big it. Boy. Um, these screenplays are now in the archive of his work in at the University of Pittsburgh. So there's nice. these scripts and there's like correspondence where he was giving notes on the scripts and whatnot. So it was gonna go, it was gonna go, and then the network shaved it to two movies, and he was like, "Nah, I can't have the same impact." So he bowed out. Oh wow! But I was thinking, like, that kind of makes me love him even more. That yeah, he was like, oh yeah, no. his respect to this, he didn't want to just do it no matter what. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like he respected it enough. Well, and it randomly occurred to me the other day. I met him twice, and I never asked him, "Did you have someone specific in mind for Pennywise?" And I would have loved to have heard what he his idea was or who if he uh, had someone question. in mind. Yeah. You know what I was like, oh man, I was right there. I could have asked him, but it didn't occur to me until however yeah. many years later, 10, 14 years later. Uh, I but, mean, I'm getting like jittery nerves just hearing the story. I can't imagine, you know, yeah. your heart must have been beating out of your chest. Oh, it was. It was. And that's the thing. You don't want to take up too much time with these people. Yeah, you don't want to like annoy them, right? There's, yeah. a, there's a line. And I might have done that the next time. So the next time was at a fight <laughs> okay. convention. It was early in the day and he was basically like setting up and he had his grandson with him. Okay. And like, it was so, this was amazing. It's like, we were just, we were the three of us like talking for like, I could have stayed there all day, but we talked for at least 20 minutes. And uh, I told, like, I told his grandson even, like, you're lucky to have this guy for a grandpa and stuff like that. And he was just so sweet, taking compliments. This time I talked to him about screenwriting. This time I came up. Oh, cool. Yeah, because he, his early screenplays, if you ever looked at them, they're out there. The screenplays for Not Living Dead, for Dawn of the Dead, and Martin are... Uh, are not professional. Are not in their in their um, like formatting. Yes, in the formatting, they are really long. They're about two hundred pages each, and oh, they're wow. double spaced. So they're like sort of novel. The way you write a novel, technically. I see. And so he I, wasn't formally trained. No, in the exactly. Way that, right. So that was my question. Like, when did you do that? What did you look at? And because I, I, I have a bunch of his screenplays, and then eventually he transitioned to the proper format. And so we chatted about that, and it was great. And I had him sign my favorite screenplay of his is Day of the Dead, and my favorite scene is this massive talky dinner scene where they're all just yelling and screaming at each other. And I just told him that. I said, I love this movie, I love this scene, I love this script. Um, and he was just humbly, like, you could tell he was just, like, so... <laughs> he was so embarrassed by flattery. Like, he was just... Oh, wow. He was just, like, not squirming, but he was just like, oh, my God, I can't believe, like, I'm being... I'm being blown this way by someone, yeah, right. basically. But I couldn't help it. Someone's I just gushing couldn't. like this. Yeah, I just could he, I He means the world to me. His work, his writing means the world to me. But it was a wonderful thing, and it, he signed it oh, in his usual Stay so Scared, good, and he wrote, like, scared, thanks yeah. for noticing. You know, like, so I hope, I like to think that things I told him actually meant something to him. That's so cool, yeah. Angel. So yeah, Man, it's a... something I'll treasure forever. Oh my God, it's yeah. so awesome, yeah. dude. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> Man, you're making me. I'm getting goosebumps hearing this story, dude. Yeah, yeah. that's beautiful. Well, yeah, yeah. It's it's everything you could hope for, and especially. So cool. Where are you from? Where are you from? I'm from Wilmington, Delaware. You're from Delaware. Okay, and not I'm too from... far from Pittsburgh. Yeah, no, that's amazing. Well, I'm from Texas. Bum fuck Texas. <laughs> El pa- you know, on the middle of the desert. You know, and reading these. You know, reading Fangoria articles, reading reading biographies or whatever, and thinking about these people and getting to know them in your head, like 
they're your brothers and sisters because you have such a rapport with them. Yeah. You know, you never can conceive that you'll one day even be in, within the proximity of them. They're like, they're they're in the grocery store getting exactly. a, a banana. They're, they're gods or, in your heads, you know? Yeah. Um, so, like, they're not real people walking yeah. around. So coming to have and uh, getting those experiences is truly unreal. It's amazing, man. It's truly magical. What an impactful thing. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah and I guess at that point... I, had you formulated more as a writer and then that you're like, I want to come at it more from a writing paradigm? Yeah, I mean... second go or... Yeah, yeah, oh, with regard to him. To yeah, like, Oh, yeah, yeah. George. Yeah, because I, I I try not to... If I'm going to talk to people, I don't want to just say the things that everyone else says to them. I right. want to have exactly. something interesting to talk about that, that, that hopefully will get them to remember me. You'll be like, that guy yeah. asked a really good question. Remember exchanges, you know, because I don't... I do want to be... <laughs> I am not... I am not... Uh, ashamed to admit I want to be these people's buds you know I want to be friends with them Absolutely. like I am with you I want to hang yeah. out and talk and get to know them you know that's so, so cool man yeah and, and, admi- and I think that's a demystification of the process yeah you know, absolutely we do kind of like revere them like gods and exactly. then you're like they're people and-, and you get to know that too as you grow up and get more familiar with the processes yourselves right and you start to work you, you realize it's just work you know like yeah and if you out the trade we decided yes to... and if you output anything of quality and this is only affirmed by other people you know if other people form a consensus that you are doing some good work well you start to think you know like you start to not say you're equal to them in your own mind, but you're in the same boat. You're in the yeah. same boat together. You're all trying to create. You're all yeah, have the same journey. frustrations. You all have the same problems. They have problems like you do. They have writer's block. They have this or that. Right. It's hard as hell to create things, and we all share that. Burden. And then keep doing it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, keep getting up to bat. Yeah, and it, it, the doing fact that anything come, the thing that makes them so special. Is that they and Romero specifically is they output their output when it hits over and over and is like the batting average is high. Right. It's like yeah. that masterpiece, masterpiece. When you masterpiece. look at the body of work, yeah, totally. Then you go and like, then, okay, well maybe they got a little something better than I do. They got know? a little but, magic in them. Yeah, exactly. Maybe yeah. they're not such slouches or at all. You know? Right. It wasn't like, just like luck of yeah, the dumb yeah. luck. Like okay, oh maybe they made one great movie, which honestly the. It couldn't have been luck because, yeah, like you said, it was edited exactly. perfectly. It was done with such care. Yes, the screenplay. I love this tidbit that you know was two hundred pages long and yeah, you know was written like a novel. He didn't have uh, he didn't have final draft back yeah. then. Yeah, no, <laughs> to, they just to, did it. To man. Format it for him. Yeah, and get the the, the margins uh, you yeah. know all right and everything. He didn't even know. But there is a beauty and to to bring this back to night. Yes, um, it wasn't just dumb luck. But man, how did they make such a powerful piece? Was it, I the documentary you were talking about? Uh, they talk about how ten guys threw in six hundred bucks. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Ten people threw in six hundred bucks. So now we have six grand. Yeah. And I'll shoot it. I'll edit it. I'll co-write it. Me being George, I'm speaking uh-huh. as if I'm George. And you know, and then that limits. And then I didn't realize that one of the main actresses was actually one of the zombies. Like we yeah. were low on zombies that day. Yeah. We just who who do we got today? What do, let's just do this yeah. and not. Not worry about it, and just we're gonna make a movie. And apparently, the moment George knew he wanted to make a movie, he's like they're at a bar yes, or a restaurant, yes. and he's like, "We're gonna make a movie." And he slams his yeah. hand down and rattles the whole bottles were falling over, and people were like, "Whoa!" Yeah. And just having that frenetic kinetic power to just say we're gonna do it, and I like you, you know, we talked about it being the little movie that could. They're in Pittsburgh; they're thousands of miles away from LA, mm-hmm. um, and yet the resolve and the dedication and just the sheer will. 
Do you know when they decided to kind of go zombie route? When that kind of happened? Or? Well, oh yeah. I so it's 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 a little convoluted. Okay. Um, they Sorry wanted to put to, you on the spot. No, here. no, 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 no. I just trying to uh, trying to get the progression right in my head. But I know they wanted to make a horror movie because it would sell. Right. And it was they were famously they famously like were trying to decide. And at first they wanted to do something about like aliens, like spaghetti monster aliens or something. Right. Um. And then. Richard uh, Romero was primarily influenced by Richard Matheson's novel I Am Legend. Oh my god. He is famously quoted as Love saying Matheson. it was he literally legend. said it was a rip off of I Am Legend. Huh, I never even thought yeah, of that parallel. Yeah, yeah so uh, he just Right, you know, one one man is kind of the last exactly human amongst these I've actually read the, the original book and it was more considered like kind of vampire but Vampire zombie line exactly. is kind of thin. Well, the really. thing they're about, about to eat and eating flesh. And yeah, and then the the, uh, the thing about that is there's conf- so there's that that he says, but then there John Russo, his co-writer, who's a mm-hmm. great writer in his own right, and wrote most of the final draft of *My Living Dead*. Actually, oh cool. Um, he says that Romero started with a short story about. The, the short story was basically the first act of *My Living Dead*, where there's a man pursuing a woman. And terrorizes her, and she ends up locked in a farmhouse. And okay. the, his story With ended a group there. Of other strangers. And and ja- John Russo says that he came up with. At first, his idea was there was a woman running in a cemetery, fell onto the ground. There was a pane of glass on the ground. There was gl- the ground was glass, and there was dead bodies under it. And then there were aliens who were eating the flesh of dead people. They were they were harvesting like dead bodies to eat or whatever. And that was the I see that. So that was resurrecting them to yeah, eat them, kind of thing. Something like that. And then they flipped it. Russo apparently it was his idea to flip it and go. They're flesh eaters. Uh, that the dead are rising. Yeah, I think that was the con- the dead are rising was concurrently Romero's and his, but they but they were like, what are they doing? You know, they're rising, but what are they doing? And then Russo said, well, let use my flesh eating idea from the aliens' idea, and we'll have them oh. be after people to eat people. And right there, the synergy of that is just like, oh my god, it's like Perfect. you are rarely given that high great high concept in you. It's like you're just you're searching through the through the, the ether. ether for yeah. something that good and that's almost why I've never made a low budget horror movie I've never I look I to my and my aspirations are to something that good that great high concept and it's so hard to figure out know. you know like and, we said again what a great hook yeah exactly know. the exactly. dead rise up yeah. and come after you so after that they they cemented that and then they started the script I think Romero wrote the first half and then he, as he got into production the production duties he left the writing of the final segment of the second half of the script to John Russo uh, nice. I know he's cred- credited first in the writing department. Yeah, exactly. Which is generous. I mean, Romero was always generous about that kind of thing. He didn't. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Romero wrote the screenplay for the remake that Tom Savini directed, which I actually think is a better screenplay. Interesting. But but uh, but still, you know, you can't. You what can't, a masterpiece. Yeah, you can't discredit it exactly or whatever. You know. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just rewatched that um, recently. I think it was only my. Second or third time on that one. What a great retelling. And and also, the documentary you were talking about uh, talks about Savini and um, Ramiro's buddy relationship. Yeah. And obviously, yeah. fruitful collaboration. One that of the great collaborations in cinema. Like. So, so cool to have him in the director's seat. And, yeah. Um, wow. Anyway. Wow. Amazing. Man. Um, wow. 
<laughs> this has been great. Uh, yeah, Angel, great. I'm I glad. have a couple more questions for please, you. Please, please. Yeah. I honestly could just pick your brain. I can listen oh, to you talk here. all day, man. Same here, man. This is wonderful. This went like a shot. I didn't. <laughs> yeah, know, this like... is so good, man. Yeah, thanks. I guess, I feel like we probably already said it, but for you, what makes Night of the Living Dead in the pantheon of great heart? Like, if you could sure. say it quickly, I don't want to. No, no. We've already kind of said a lot, but if someone says in an interview, you got 30 seconds, why is Night of the Living Dead. I mean, obviously in the pantheon of great horror. Yeah, no, it's it's immediate. It's uh, it, it took. I'll tell you what it is, and it's also been said, but um, it's the truest thing in the world. It took for horror movies. I guess sort of Psycho was the progenitor of this. It took. It I'm so took, glad you brought up Psycho. Yeah, it, only eight years prior. Exactly, and it took horror. Also black and white. It took. It started with the novelist of Psycho, Robert Block, and with Stephen King credits. Uh, and what it is is the basic uh, theme of this is he they took horror from castles and Transylvania and they put it in your house. They put it in your neighborhood. That's what Psycho did, and that's then what Night of the Living Dead did. Oh my God. And because so of that, Night of the Living Dead, all the horror directors go back to Night of the Living Dead. Toby Hooper, John Carpenter, they go, we would not be who we are, Wes Craven, we would not have had the proper touchstone in our minds. They might have. They were smart guys. But if Night of the Living Dead didn't exist, they would not have pointed to that and looked at it and gone, we can do that, and that is the way to do it. It basically is. You know, it's just like, put horror is immediate and real to you. It is suddenly there. The horror in the world. Yeah, like, I don't own a castle. Why am I worried? Exactly, exactly. And it's... I hopefully will one day. Yeah, me too. Me too. We'll, we'll get there. Yeah, let's do it. We, you need a roommate. Um, I'm, I'm, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm available. A, we can have our own uh, okay. tower, you know, <laughs> wing. Yeah. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> You're in. Yeah, no, you, you know, so that that's what it is for me. It's like it was suddenly very real. It... 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 it um. It really empathized with you in the horror that you experience in life because you go around facing horror in life all the time. You face horror. I feel it most in L.A. when I'm getting in my car to drive somewhere. Oh right! It's like I I could die any minute. I know. Yeah, these oh people my God, I'm will so kill you me. Said that. Yeah. You know, sometimes you're just going around the corner, but you're suddenly one second you're in your safe apartment. Yeah. I literally just went to go pick up a pizza for us. And I just drive around the corner, and it's just a couple of blocks around. And then I'm just trying to get one little tiny parking space so I can go in and get the pizza. Yeah. And there's this massive truck, you know, a couple of feet to my left. If I had opened the door and didn't see it, I mean, yeah, boom, you could be obliterated. I could be know? obliterated in a second. Yeah, yeah, I'm and dead that, right now. Yeah, and that's why Not Living Dead is so good because it 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 gives you a safe version of that, even though it is an allegory, your favorite word, yes. uh, for what we're facing that Use way. Use it at your leisure. I love yeah, it. and you can go and watch this thing about flesh eating zombies and have some comfort coming out, knowing well. At least you're not going to be eaten by flesh-eating zombies. You have, and you maybe after that you have a little more control over your life. You're like, well, it's not so bad. It's not I so guess. bad. I can, yeah. I can at least handle this stuff if I'm cautious. And it teaches you to be. It's it's very teachable. This stuff. It teaches you to look both ways. To you know, watch behind you. Make sure yeah. no one's stalking you. You know, just like be aware. Be aware that the yeah. world is a dangerous place. It is, and uh, but it's also uh, we share it together, and we, hopefully we can, you know, band together. That's another thing is these people in Romero's movies can't. 
don't band together and they face the consequences. So hopefully you're watching and going, well, I shouldn't do that. I should listen Mr. to my fellow man. Mr. Cooper, man. He just yeah. had to go downstairs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it was Ben, too. Ben should oh, yeah, have ben, also listened to him. Yeah, ben like, didn't he, listen. was, he was not wrong in a way. You know, he was, you know, they were both wrong and both right. No, I love this. Yeah, yeah. Which is no, I, I think I think ultimately you nailed it. What makes it bad is that they don't work together. Exactly. That's that's the real problem. Exactly. It's not what room you're in. It's are we on the same page? Exactly. Yeah. 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 And uh, that dissension amongst, which is why I think the thing, the Carpenter sure. thing, is one of our favorite movies. Is that again the horror is from within, yeah, you know, not from without. Obviously, it's an extraterrestrial from another planet, but. It's more the the suspicion and the breakdown of society. Yeah, that is that is really the villain. Yeah, of that movie, exactly. Not the actual monster. Exactly, exactly. And what a what a great thing for a horror movie to do. What a great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. So I mean, again, another question for me: What for horror, horror wise, in general? And I think you've said a lot of it already. Um. Why do we love it so much? What is it about it? What is it about it that's so cool, that's so awesome? Why do we gravitate towards it? Is it is it a tangible thing we can we can even say? Yeah. I, I, for you, I, for me, why hard? For me, it's because uh, writing it for consuming it. Yeah, loving it. Uh, apart from the apart from the excitement, quote unquote, you experience maybe not getting killed walking across the street. <laughs> life is very boring to me. Um, and horror is so much fun. It adds, it, it, it throws things in your face. It tests you with the mm. villains and situations that you don't face in real life. Right. Um, and it makes you think it goes like, what would I do? And especially, yeah. I wanted to mention this actually, I'm glad you brought, made me think of this because that's another reason why a zombie movie, Romero's in particulars, are so great because they're the ultimate like audience empathizing movie, I think. You you can't watch a zombie movie and help but wonder what would I do? Would I would I cut it here? Exactly. Yeah. And it, this is followed Would me. I survive this zombie apocalypse? Yeah, these thoughts have followed me all my life because of this movie. It's followed me and geographically, I've thought about this in college. Like I'm away from my family who do I, if a zombie apocalypse happens, where do I go? Do I go to them? Probably. But I'm uh, six hours away. You know, I went to school in Santa Fe and they were in Texas. Okay. Um, and I was like, okay, so I have to get there. And now in LA, I'm even farther from my family. And now I have friends and loved ones here. Who do I go after? To, who do I band with? Who do I yeah. want to save if I want to save someone? <laughs> yeah. You know, who can, you can save pick three me? People. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or do I want to <laughs> get the, just haul ass to my family? Just, you just know? yeah. Yeah. Just and, get the hell out. and it's just so much fun to think about. It's so much fun to think about where you're going to fortify yourself. Have you had zombie dreams? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah me too. Yeah. They're Absolutely. some of my favorites. Absolutely. And I'm like, I got this. Yeah. I, I always remember a, a common thread in all the zombie dreams that I've had. We're both so obsessed. I love it. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's like literally in our. We're dreams. not alone. That's why it's it's universal. It's universal. Love man. of this story and. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Uh, yeah, like I just was like, I got this. I f- I'm glad I'm having this dream, and in the dream, I'm not like this is a dream and this is real. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I'm a great survivor. I'm a survivor. <laughs> and you like to think, and I, I love that you like like to think that you can handle it. Yeah, yeah. And there's something worse than you know in a horror movie where you're like go go in there. What are you doing? Yeah. And it's great when a horror movie can really pose the question in a smart way yeah, and not just be like, don't go in there, you dummy. 
And then obviously there's some movies that are the mechanism is just the fun of watching the killer or, yeah. or whatever. It's kind of more of a fun thing. Yeah. There's, there's different types of horror. Um, Andy Mitten, who did the Creepshow episode, said that horror is a means, like you said, of exploring the danger of the danger of reality of, of you know, or being like, what if this danger was right in our face yeah. and we get to have the fun and he called it the fun of experiencing it, but then being able to walk away from it. Absolutely. And now when I think of it, like a roller coaster or it, it, now that I think of it, it it's so, uh, especially parents and whatnot are so like, uh, want to keep this stuff away from like children stuff, but it's so important right. for children. I think like I saw this stuff when I was a kid and <sighs> it's really, dude. it's like, Same. it's like Grimm's fairy tales or Hans Christian Andersen. Yes. You know, and those are gruesome and scary. And like you said, the morality play. Yeah, exactly. It's about teaching people and, and getting them, like you said too, sugarcoating this stuff and introducing, like, especially young people to the fact that this is a dangerous world you're going into and you're going to have to face certain things and rely on yourself as much as others. And this is a way to start thinking about it. Yeah. You know, start preparing yourself. Kind of tools in your toolkit. Yeah. More than you can... even school gives you sometimes. School oh, doesn't man, teach yeah. you to pay your bills or anything. No. You know, like it doesn't teach you about life. It just teach you memorizing pointless facts that you'll never need again. I know. And it's ridiculous. I had know? a few really good teachers along the way, but I'm, yeah. overall I agree with you. Sure, sure. Teach you how to like sit down and read something. I exactly, guess, maybe, exactly. It's like, no, it's know. this, you know. So I'll, I'll take a, not living, a Romero movie marathon over... A school sermon any day. <laughs> Absolutely. No, and I love that you said the morality play because I think that goes and me and Andy Mitten talked about this in the Creep Show episode of how they are these dark like you said, grim fairy like Brothers Grimm fairy yeah. tales. Mm-hmm. Well dark and grim, but yeah. <laughs> uh, grim with two M's. Yes. Um but they have this this twisted morality play. You know, in Twilight Zone, again Richard Matheson oh, yeah, uh, who yeah. wrote a lot for that and, and what what is it about these that endure it's not the effects. It's not the. It's not all that. It's that you get your mind thinking like, what if this? What if that? You know. And if you were just take a take a small thing, and we talked about Hitchcock with Psycho. For me, it was birds. Sure. I'll never forget going to the, the school bus, and sitting there waiting for the bus and looking around and seeing all the birds and yeah. being like, oh my god, and actually getting scared. Yeah, dude. Of birds. And and it can't be left uns, left unsaid. You 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 reminded me like I have to go back and amend that like yeah, it was it was also Serling and all the writers mm. he employed what a, what a at the time. He he that might have even been the start of that movement uh yeah, or concurrent yeah. with it of because he was, so was also 50s, right? showing you yeah, like the everyday horror or, yeah, or everyday hor- horror. Hor- not horror in the everyday. Right. Fantasy elements and Oh yeah, like monsters are doing maple trees oh, yeah, yeah, one. Yeah, like that stuff yeah clearly the neighborhood turning on each other and duh like night living dead ending is a classic sort of rod serling yeah its own ending twilight zone so it allows a lot as we all do as genre creators to rod serling also one of the greatest writers who ever lived what a what a legend yeah yeah yeah, yeah what a beast oh man absolutely dude i i actually it was that documentary that that you were talking about what's it called again it was called well the whole the series was called the incredibly strange film show and this one was on george romero george romero okay yeah Yeah, everyone check it out it's actually on youtube you can watch it for free um it's a really good one but they talk about the docu style and how much that served it and i think it was one of those like you know art of war turning a weakness into a strength like (laughs) okay you don't have a lot of money you you know you probably only have one camera we're lucky that we even have a camera you know let's we don't really have a lot of time we don't have like a lot of complicated camera setups you yeah. know this isn't a kubrick movie where we can yeah <laughs> shoot it for 
a year straight, you know, putting the camera in your face and getting the camera to move around created this docu edge. And I, I guess I, I think I always kind of subliminally knew that, but this movie really does play like a doc. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think that adds so much to it. Yeah. Because it makes it, like you said, bringing it into the real, bringing it into the home, yeah, bringing it sure. into the everyday. Sure. Like this could be me. This is X blank town in Americana or in any town in the world. Yeah, no, absolutely. That was a hidden strength of it. Definitely. Did he do docs before? He did. He okay. did. I mean, I, he, uh, well, documentaries in a, in a loose sense, I guess. He did sports documentaries. He did primarily commercials. He had a, okay. his own commercial production house in Pittsburgh with his friends who were the crew of Night Living Dead. And you can see a lot of these commercials in the various special features on the discs. That I'm sure they're on YouTube. Yeah. Um, they're wonderful little homemade, like clearly locally made, but highly technical, a lot of panache stuff. But but in the interim, I think when he was trying to get another uh, good project off the ground after Not Living Dead, between Not Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead, he made a lot of living, his living doing sports documentaries. He made one on Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Oh, really? So nothing, nothing as heavy as, say, a documentary about civil rights or something. But... Uh, right. Yeah, he definitely from the commercials, which Night of Living Dead really is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, is it? yeah, it's it's yeah, it's the it's, crazy. it's the original woke horror movie if you want to call it that. <sighs> wow, cool. It really is, and it's the one that makes all others pale by comparison. I know they it's all seem so so ahead of its time. They all seem so heavy handed in comparison. This they don't. And now yeah, like it doesn't beat you over the head with yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. And this was a conscious choice. We forgot to talk about it, and I guess we have to just briefly mention it. Um, in the writing, the writing of the character, the character of Ben was written as a truck driver, an anonymous truck driver. He wasn't even named until a later draft or in the production, and it wasn't written for a black man. Um, mm. They just cast Dwayne Jones, who was the best, quote unquote, the best actor out of all their friends. And they did not shy away from casting it. And then okay. the question rose, should we rewrite a little and uh, acknowledge the fact that he's black within the story and put any kind of acknowledge any kind of tension and whatnot? And Romero said, no, we should just just play it like whatever, you know, and though and they thought in his own in his own mind, he was like, we thought we were being really cool, you know, by not calling it, not even addressing it. Exactly. But Dwayne Jones was a little concerned. He was like, well, you have me, his, his words were pretty much, you have me hitting and slugging a white woman. Do you know what's going to happen to me, like, in yeah, the street when gonna, people watch this? You know. So in hindsight, Romero felt that they should have, again, not beat you over the head with it, but at least acknowledged it a little. And, and I think the way that he would have done it can be seen in the remake. It's a little bit there, just in the best yes. way, in conflict of dialogue, when he's arguing with Harry Cooper in that one, um, he says to Harry Cooper, because Harry Cooper's like in a tuxedo, he's like, how did you guys get here? You don't look like neighbors. And then Harry Cooper goes, well, you think, you're trying to figure out someone's got a car, mine's broken down on the interstate, and the kid doesn't own one. How about you, Mr. Ben? You don't exactly look like neighbors yourself. And that's yes. and that's it. That's it. That's it. And that's oh what God. you need to that's do. Awesome, dude. It's all you just need it's in, a bubbling under the surface. Yeah. You know, like, Not like you're black, I'm exactly, white, blah blah blah. Exactly. Yeah, then, yeah, then it's yeah. like ridiculous. And today it's a little it's a little, a little much, um, personally, in my opinion. Um, yeah. so that and that so I always huh. look to Romero. Is, I'm so glad we brought this up yeah. because you're right, they don't in there in the sixty eight one, they do not ever 
make it a thing. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's so much stronger. Yeah, I think it is. Too. I think that's why it's held up so much. Yeah, I think you're right. We bring it to it, and we bring the discussion to it right. because it's there. And then the ending it's with there the fire in the and... and in the filmmaking and in the in the. All right, he's story. dead. Another one for the fire. Yeah, exactly. And you can put, you can load as much of it as you want. You can project. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, for you sure. Know, so. Oh my God. Yeah, man. Dude, that's so good. I'm so glad you brought that nougat with you. That yeah, one. I'm glad we covered it. There's so much to talk about with this movie. You can man. forget. Any one, number of points that are yeah. important when discussing I know, I know, movie. man. I know. It's like we could do a whole 10-part series on it. Or yeah, 100 man. 100-part series. Yeah, dude. Well, this has been amazing, Angel. Um, what a what a great chat. I, I, uh, I enjoyed I'm, it so much. I am so pumped. Um, last quick question for sure. you. And this is a light and frothy sure. one. Sure. Um, second favorite Romero movie, ah. if you had to pick. Well, Night Living Dead is not my favorite oh, really? Romero movie. It just got me into filmmaking. Oh. But What's my favorite? favorite Romero movie and my favorite zombie movie is Day of the Dead. Day. Yeah, it's just oh. uh, it's just a, a crackling screenplay. I love the dot. It could be a play. Romero has referred to it as it's the most play-like. Just the it has my favorite villain in movie history, which is Captain Rhodes, played by Joe Pilato. What a I think he's slimy, he's the biggest horrible guy, bastard, most evil person in a movie. Yeah, you know, like, but he's so funny. But he's so great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If I was an love actor, I'd him. love to play him. Yeah, you oh love yeah, to hate you him. love to hate him. You love to play. Yeah. You would to love to hate him. I gotta watch Day Again. It's been a while. Yeah, and it's that just, one has actually kind of slowly grown on me, and I didn't. I, yeah. See, I, I came in on Dawn. Sure, sure, sure. And then doubled back for Night. Yeah. And Dawn's a party. Like Dawn's a party, Day man. of the Dead is a super downer. But that's why I like it. I think yeah. it's all... It's no, called, I love that you said that it's the, the best written, too. It, it's called horror, you know? And that is the most <laughs> horrific movie ever. Like, uh, I just, like, it. you feel the end of the world in that movie. No, I know. It is. Yeah. And I think that's... Disturbing. I, I think I picked up one and I was like, I'm good. I, I get what you're going yeah, for. Yeah, sure, sure. Fair enough. I don't, I don't need a, a, a re-lesson in that one. Um, <laughs> I'm good on that one. But you know what? Honestly, you talking about it today has fired me up mad. I'm going to probably end up watching it here, probably maybe even later today. Who knows? And also, I need speaking a of... Ago. It's been 10 years or so. Oh, yeah. You need to revisit. And speaking yeah. of Romero and Savini collaboration, I think it's Tom Savini's best work. Oh, my God. That made, that, yeah. that movie made me want to be a special effects the head? artist. The decapitation. Like, the, the tearing in half the of The tearing in half. The, oh, my The God. greatest, probably for me, the greatest makeup effect I've ever seen in a movie. Nar nar. Yeah, it's just like beautiful, jaw dropping. Beautiful, jaw dropping stuff. Okay, so sorry. So, so no, no day is your favorite. Yeah. Um, if you could pick one that's not in the in the dead in the realm, dead, that's a good question because I, you know, I I will do I will do not Romero a service here, but audiences a service here. If you haven't seen his movie Bruiser, which is I have not. It's it's on Tubi, I think. Okay. Um, yeah, it's famously only been on DVD, hasn't been on Blu-ray yet. Now, this is not... It has its fans and it has its detractors, but I also think it's one of his best-written movies. It's not... Bruiser. It's not a super... What year is that one? That was 2000 or 2001. Oh, newer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And it was... It's It's got a very American Psycho vibe. It was. It's like his really lofty effort. Like, he was like, I'm tired of doing, like, just schlock and people eating guts and just jump scares. I want to do... This is what I want to do. Highly intellectual oh, horror. It. Oh, my God. Um, see it. it's, a, it's a parable. It's an allegory. Uh, partly inspired by Eyes Without a Face. So it's that kind of... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's about a, a man who wakes up... A man who's, like, shit upon by life. 
You know, like he's his marriage is Relatable. crumbling. Yeah, <laughs> his marriage is crumbling. He's like not in the financial space he wants to be. His house is unfinished. You know, first world problems. But then he loses his face, his identity, as he has been losing in these occurrences that are happening uh... to him. And then he has to figure out how to get it back. And it's a haunting cool. image and stuff. It's just it's and eyes without a face is so scary. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a wonderful movie. I I encourage you. Uh, if you want to see not one of the, not one of the often seen Romero movies that doesn't get a I lot love of this. love, you great. Should, Hot it's take. more akin to Martin, which is his favorite love movies Martin. he's ever done. Love Martin, and he yeah. loves Bruiser as much because it's he got back to the style of movie that Martin was. I see with it. Yeah, very yeah. character driven piece. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 They they make a good double feature actually. I think. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. Let's yeah. Do it. Yeah. 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 All right, awesome, Angel. Awesome, dude. This is awesome. <laughs> All right, well, so good to have you, man. All right, man. Well, I can't wait to come back. Absolutely, you'll be back, baby. All right, man. I'm all right. I'll talk to your agent. All right. <laughs> Go over your schedule. We'll set something up. I already get your movie breakdowns of what you're seeing. Right. Uh, your your calendar. Yeah, you can always. I'm easy to find. <laughs> you are. You're accessible to the lay people. <laughs> yes. All right, Angel. Thanks so much for spending some time talking about Knight and Romero. And so good to have you, man. You're same here, man. So good to be here. Thank you so much. It was an honor. Thank you.